Welcome. Y'all confu confusing me. <laughs> Welcome, Summit family, Summit Nation. Wherever you are, even if you're laying flat on the bed, I can't get that image out of my head. How some people are watching lying flat on the bed. Oh, I see, I see somebody on that bed right now. <laughs> Just give God praise right now. <laughs> Amen. Just give him praise. Hallelujah. We're going to give a, uh, we're going we're to have a celebration um, before the, the weather turns. And uh, we invite everybody to come out in person. If, if, hey, if you don't, you're going to miss out on some good ribs and turkey tips and chicken because we're going to be grilling out on a lot. And see, you won't be able to get that at home. Okay. I can't upload that. Amen. I might, I might upload the smell. <laughs> but we're going to have, praise God, uh, Antoine Robinson, the owner of Veterans Grill. Been enjoying his ribs. He's out on Saturday on uh, Coliseum and, and Lake at the Fair Muffler Shop. Cooking ribs and chicken and tips. He's uh, one of Summit's own, praise God. Got a pretty cool wife, LaShonda. Uh, I married them not too long ago. He's from the south side of Chicago. And uh, he brought his, he brought his, uh, his talents to Fort Wayne. <laughs> like LeBron, he brought his talents to South Beach. Amen. Antoine brought his talents and skills to Fort Wayne, praise God. And, uh, but he's going to, he's gracious enough to come out and bring with his big commercial grill, going to set it out on the lot, and we're going to have a big summit celebration, so um, bring your mask, and we're going to, uh, we'll let you take off your mask to eat. Amen. We can have uh, what Brother Hagin used to call uh, church all day and dinner on the ground. Amen. He said some people, they, they, they wanted to have dinner all day and church on the ground. But they had. <laughs> but we're not going to have dinner all day. We're going to have church. Not all day, but church in the morning. And then we're going to have dinner right afterwards. All right. Praise God. Last, last week, uh, I, I felt really good, strong, because I had breakfast, which I don't normally have. I usually have just a juice. But uh, this week, last week I had both, juice and, and breakfast. Now, I forgot both. <laughs> I, wa I was only going to have juice today, but I forgot that. Ran out of the house. But praise God, we got some good word for you, and uh, God strengthens me. Amen? I got my tea right here. Go on and get your tea if you're at home. All right. Uh, for those of you that are in person, uh, we've got tea for you. It's right under your seat, if you didn't notice. Uh, we've got some tea. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, all right. Welcome, everybody. Y'all chime in online. We're on three places, on uh, the Al Jennings page, Summit Church page. We're on, on Facebook, and then we're on YouTube as well. All right. Let's dive right in, Okay. After these confessions, I am, you already say these confessions. I am greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved by you. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. I am my father's favorite child. 
I am the apple of his eye. I am well-pleasing in his sight. I receive the love that my Father has for me. Everything I do and touch shall be blessed because I am the beloved. I am loved, righteous, blessed, prosperous, redeemed, forgiven, talented, creative, confident, secure, disciplined, focused, prepared, qualified, motivated, valuable, free, determined, equipped, empowered, anointed, accepted and approved, not average, not mediocre, holy, flawless, without blemish, blameless, and free from accusation. I am a child of the Most High God. I will become all I was created to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Woo. Here's a question. Can you abuse God's grace? We're going to take a deep dive into that today because uh, a lot of people, when you go talking about grace, uh, have a question. Well, you got to be, or more of a statement, well, you got to be careful about too much grace because if you give too much grace to people, people are going to set world records in sin. They're going to they're going to fall off the rail, and they're just going to abuse God's grace. Well, when people make those kinds of statements, are y'all listening to me? Because we're going to take, take it, we're going to go deep into this today because I want to settle it. And one scripture that I've been focusing on in Wednesday night Bible class, and I encourage everybody to, um, I know it's a vacation, not vacation, a holiday week, but uh, but we'll be, we'll be there on Wednesday. We invite everybody to come out. Also, um, let me put a plug in there for Tuesday night winning groups. It's awesome. All right. So um, we got Tuesday night winning groups. We've got Wednesday morning prayer, 737 a.m. And then Wednesday night Bible study at 7 o'clock. All are invited. Amen. And um, so... Anyway, one of the things that I've been sharing on Wednesday night is from Hebrews chapter 5, I believe it's verse 12, where it says, when the time you ought to be teachers, verse 11, 12, somewhere in there, the time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the pr first principles of the oracles of God. There, there comes a time, now I know this is a holiday weekend, and all the elite are here. <laughs> the people that are serious. Uh, I mean, some people, they're getting, the, they're getting the grills ready and everything, getting the food prepared and stuff like that. Well, it's holiday weekend. I could take off from church. The serious folks are, are on here today. I call the elite are here. When I was in, I'm not talking to you, Siri. Goodness. So... When I was in college, okay, okay, what is it? Okay, when I was in college, um, I used to hang out. I didn't pledge, but I, I used to hang out with the Kappas until they got mad at me. But that's another story for another day that I'll probably never tell you. But um, I was hanging out with them, and they were recruiting me. And uh, there was this party, and there were some people there, uh, people that... Uh, they were deemed 
looked on as important that from, from all over, different fraternities and, and so on. And so my one uh, friend who also was being recruited by the campus, he looked at me and he said, all the elite in the yard are here. All right, well, that didn't go over too good. But anyway, um, all the elite in Summit Nation are here. <laughs> all the elite shout amen. 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 You, all the elite are watching somewhere, online, here in person, praise the Lord. But uh, we're, we're thankful. So the time you ought to be teachers, the time you ought to be teachers, the time you ought to be teachers. And so I want to speak to the elite here. This is, there becomes a time in your Christian life when you're off the milk and you're on the solid food of God's word. And when you're on the solid food of God's word, you understand righteousness. That passage in, scripture, in, in Hebrews states that he that is on milk, only on milk, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. What's the word of righteousness? That you're righteous by faith, not by your works. You understand you're righteous not because of your obedience, but because of Jesus' obedience. You understand that righteousness is a gift. You've been, you've been declared the righteousness of God in Christ. There was a great exchange on the cross. Jesus took our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. You, you, and when, you, when you are skilled in the word of righteousness, you are what uh, Isaiah calls established in righteousness, you will fear no more. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And neither shall you be lacking. You're not going to lack anything when you're skilled in the word of righteousness. But some people are not skilled in the word of righteousness. Uh, they're, they're babies. And, um, but there becomes a time, there comes a time when you ought to be teachers. When you're off the milk and you're on the solid food of God's word. You walk in, in your righteousness. You, you receive the abundance of grace and this free gift of righteousness, and you reign in life. Amen. Okay, but it's not just for you. You're blessed to be a blessing. Okay, and now, when, when you got all that under your belt, it's time when you ought to be a teacher. So this is one of those messages where I want you to get a hold of because this is one of the biggest criticisms of when you teach grace. Okay, people say, well, you teach grace like you teach it, Pastor. People are going to abuse it. When you tell everybody all their sins are forgiven, they're just going to abuse it. All right, let's dive in. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Okay? Y'all ready to be teachers? I want you to listen with the intent to teach. This is, uh, this is what I call, uh, I, I borrowed this from the, the yoga studio, Carla's uh, with this group that they have what they call teacher training. And they're teaching folks to be teachers of yoga. Okay, so this is uh, spiritual teacher training. Y'all ready to be teachers? Okay, so I want you to be, the goal is for you to be able to explain this to somebody else. And um, I love Tuesday night 
winning groups because I get to hear from people. I try to keep my mouth shut as hard as, as that is for me to do. Um, I got going a little bit this last Tuesday, but I, I, I'll be better this week, I believe, with, uh, with God's grace. Amen. Uh, but uh, I love listening to how people process the message and what the Holy Spirit is ministering to people. And a lot of times, it's stuff that I don't even say, but it's what the Holy Spirit told them about what I said. So I want you to, to um, lean into the Holy Spirit today because he's there. He's on the inside of you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not just, not just on Sunday morning, but 24-7. Hallelujah. Can, can you abuse God's grace? See, that, that very statement implies that you don't really understand God's grace. And you'll understand this when I get, get finished. Because most people mistake grace for mercy. People that say that, they mistake grace for mercy, I believe. And I'll explain that later. But right now, let's go to Romans chapter 6. Because obviously, Paul encountered people who, because he preached grace so strong, he encountered people that said, look, are you, uh, wait a minute, that can't be right. Are you saying we can sin all we want? And that's why he writes this here. He's saying, I know, he's basically saying, I know what y'all thinking. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? See, may it be accused of you. See, don't get intimidated when somebody's saying, are you saying, when you say all our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, even all our future sins are forgiven, oh, you better be careful. You better be careful, all right? Are you saying we can sin all we want? See, if somebody accuses you of that, in the time you ought to be teachers, I'm talking about when, when you teach this to somebody and they accuse you of that, Shout hallelujah, because you're on the right track. That means you're teaching it right. Because if you, te if you teach grace right, the question will come up, can we sin all we want? And Paul's answer is, of course not. The, and, and Paul's language is, let me read it to you, and, and, let, and I'm going to make a statement. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Look, look what he said. What, what does he say? Teachers, elite in the yard, <clears throat> what does he say? By no means, and I like that, that the uh, translators put an exclamation mark there, because that's appropriate. No, he's like, no, absolutely not. Of course not. And, and Paul's language is, is, is like he's almost saying it's an impossibility. Because he said, how can we? Because think about it. When you were born again, you, you got an exchange. A dead spirit for a new spirit. Ezekiel said he was prophesying about the new covenant. He was going to take that old stony heart out of us and give us a heart of flesh. That's talking about the new birth. That's what happened when you were born again. You got a new nature with new, a new passion and new desires. 
People that want to sin, what I encourage you to do, if you have a desire in your core to sin, get saved. Because no believer has a desire to sin in their heart because God took that old stony heart out of you, gave you a heart of flesh. You, you, you've got the nature of God in, in your core being. You have the life of Jesus on the inside of you. You're united with Christ. You, you, you're changed at the very core of your being. So how can we? Because we're dead to sin. How can we still live in it? How can we? How, how can you do it? Glory to God. And he repeats it in verse 15. He said, what then? He says it again. Now, see, when he says it twice, you, 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 you better take notice. Huh? I, I said, you better take notice. When he says something again, th this shows you the importance of this question that I'm posing today. Can you abuse God's grace? And really, let me give you the answer. And you'll be able to understand this after we get done, teachers. No. He said, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? See, how many of you know we're under grace? We have a new covenant. I got plenty of teachings on that. All right? We are under grace. Say, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. So, are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? Here it is. He says again, by no means. Everybody say, by no means. By no means. Okay. It's hard to live in sin because we died to it. Okay. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I want to look at it from the ESV first. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. You're, you're brand new on the inside. You're new in your spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Which Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. You live in a physical body. You became a new creation in your spirit. The old has passed away. Now, that's obvious that's not talking about your body. Because if you got size 12 shoes or uh, wear size 12 shoes, before you get saved, you wear a size 12 after you get saved. Somebody said, man, I got saved. Old folks used to say, I looked at my hands, and they looked new. I looked at my feet, and they did too. No, you still got them size 12 <laughs> the day after you get saved. Amen. If you got a big nose before you get saved, you got a big nose after you get saved. Amen. If you got bubble eyes before you get saved, you got bubble eyes after you get saved. You got a bald head before you get saved, you got a bald head after you get saved. Come on. All things didn't become new everywhere. But when you understand you have a, a, a threefold nature, all things became new in your spirit. You became just like God, perfect on the inside. The old passed away. What old? The old spiritual death, the alienation from God, the separation from God has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love it in the, um, 
mirror Bible, in the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before in Christ, you are a brand new person. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over. Acquaint yourself with the new. All right, teachers, we are acquainting ourselves with the new. Amen? Now, see, you need to get a hold of this yourself. And then you can boldly teach it to somebody else. All right? Now, let's, let's talk about um, mercy and grace. And let's really dig in here and dive in and talk about the difference. Because when people make this statement that, oh, you know, you just, you, 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 you can abuse God's grace if you teach too much grace. When people say that they don't understand grace, they're mixing up mercy and grace. Because most people think grace is mercy. And let me explain the difference. Um, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. It's the absence of punishment. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Like, for example, if you were driving and you, you were speeding and you were going 120 miles an hour and the police pull you over and they said, hey, I clocked you at 120. Now, really, you deserve a fine. You deserve your car to be impounded. You really deserve to go to jail for going 120 in this 35. But I'm feeling good today. I'm not going to give you a ticket. That is not grace. That's mercy, where you don't get what you deserve. Okay? You tracking with me so far? <clears throat> Take that same scenario. Um, get pulled over. He clocks you at 120. And he said, uh, you deserve jail. You deserve um, your car impounded. You deserve a ticket. But you know what? I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to take you to jail. I'm not going to give you a ticket. You're not. You're not going to get. There's no no penalty. I'm just going to let you off. <laughs> but on, on top of that, I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars. That's grace. Okay, you got mercy, but you also got grace. I had a friend. Y'all understand the difference? Uh, I, I have a friend, he, he, he passed away, and, uh, but uh, he, he said a long time ago, and he said that uh, he got pulled over for speeding, and uh, he, knew he, he knew he was speeding. He didn't even have to have the officer tell him uh, what, what, he was, uh, what his speed was. He, he rolled the window down, he said, officer, I know I'm guilty, but if there's mercy, I'll take it. <laughs> Amen. He understood what mercy was. 
Actually, on my way to church today, I pulled up beside somebody. How many of you know in Indiana there's a hands-free law? I was trying to get Carla's attention. I'm not going to say who it was. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but she wasn't paying attention to me. She has her phone. Up. Okay, she thinks she's obeying the law by, by not putting up their ear, but she's holding the phone <laughs> in the officer's face. Thank God there's no officer around there. But suppose I was an officer pulling up next to her. She got, she got her phone like this. Okay. If the police pulled her over, she would need, what, what would she need? Grace or mercy? I mean, she would take the $10,000. <laughs> but at the very minimum, she would want mercy. And see, most people, when they, see, when they make a statement, well, uh, we got to be careful that we don't abuse God's grace. How many, how many of you can see that they're thinking, they're, they're saying grace, but they're really talking about mercy, the absence of punishment. But grace is much more than that. Grace is the indwelling life of Jesus in your spirit. Amen. See, grace is not a doctrine. It's not a, a teaching. Grace is a person. Everybody say grace is a person. Thank you, Lord. See, in the new birth, again, you got a new heart. Say, I got a new heart, a new spirit. Thank you, Lord. Now, here's, here's what grace I've got this in my notes. You get extreme favor that you don't deserve. See, most people think grace is a, um, is a change of destination. Like God is a customs agent, and he, he stamps your passport heaven, and he forgives you. And then that's it. But grace is much more than that. Thank you, Lord. Grace empowers you to say no to sin. It teaches you some stuff. It trains you in some things. Look at this. For the grace of God has appeared. What does that mean, grace has appeared? That's showing us that grace is Jesus. The law came through Moses. John says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is grace personified. For the grace of God, grace is not a doctrine, it's not a message, it's not a teaching. Grace is a person. All right? So, for the grace of God has appeared, that's Jesus, bringing salvation. Doesn't this describe Jesus? Bringing salvation for all people. Watch this. The subject is the grace of God has appeared. Who is Jesus? Watch this. Training us. The grace of God is more than uh, a ticket to heaven or a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Get-out-of-hell-free card. Well, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Grace will teach you how to live. It's much more than just, yes, it's forgiveness. But it's, yes, it's an absence of punishment. You know, salvation is an absence of punishment. But, but see, grace is... is is much more than mercy. Grace will train you to what? Renounce ungodliness. 
Grace will teach you to say no to sin. Who is grace? Jesus. Where is Jesus? On the inside of you. Christ in you, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at this. Christ, Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, listen, I'm not done with Titus, though. Training us. The grace of God will train you to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live. Does this sound like you can abuse God's grace? No. See, the answer is not, you got to calm that grace down. You, you, need, you need to balance grace with the law, and I'll talk about that in a moment. You don't balance grace with anything. See, the answer to overcoming sin is too much grace. See, it's the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that will cause you to reign in life. Too much grace doesn't make you sin. Somebody helped me preach. Somebody said it helped me to win. Yes. Grace is not the power of sin. Power to sin. It's the power to win. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's good teaching. Amen. Coming from the peanut gallery. Amen. We, we, we truly do got some teachers up in here. Hallelujah. Too much grace. What do you mean? How can you abuse God's grace? Grace will train you when you understand it's grace. See, some of y'all saying that, y'all think it's, you think we're talking about mercy. Just, I, I can understand the pause if you just think that grace is a lack of punishment. But we're, when you really understand what grace is, you, you, you can't abuse it. Because it's the abundance of grace that will keep you away from sin. It'll steer you and guide you in, into the right way to live. We, we become led by the helper on the inside the Holy Spirit training us to renounce ungodliness. Not the law, but grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Teachers, mark that down and share that with people, okay? Grace is not a license to sin. It's not a freedom to sin. It's freedom from sin. Amen. Not a license to sin, but a license to win. <laughs> Hallelujah. Christ in you. See, you've got someone on the inside of you to lead you and guide you. You've got the indwelling life of Jesus in your spirit. So don't worry about abusing grace. Don't worry about anything the Bible says. Amen? Yeah. See, so the answer to sin, to, to victory over sin, uh, you may have some challenges in your life. Um, a lion challenge, a lion problem, uh, a drug abuse problem, a pride problem. I'm going to teach on pride and humility. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. I'm going to do some teaching on that very soon, maybe even next week, praise God. 
But uh, if you've got a problem with any kind of sin, the answer is more grace. Is more Jesus. Because grace is a person. Okay. Listen to this. If I'm stuck in sin, the answer is the empowering spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of grace. See, it makes a difference when you understand the difference between mercy and grace. How many of you can see that? See, God is so much into grace, he calls his throne the throne of grace. He said, let us come boldly to the throne, not the throne of mercy, but the throne of grace. Yeah, I know it's the throne of grace, Pastor, but after a while, you know, <laughs> you, 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 know you, you, you need some punishment because, you know, you're going to get punished if you, keep on, if you keep on abusing God's grace. No, you're confusing grace and mercy. I mean, if you can see that. Amen? Mercy is the absence of punishment. But see, see grace is a person. It's, the, 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 the in, it's more than forgiveness. It's the indwelling presence of Jesus. And that's why when you really understand, and, and it's misunderstanding this concept is what causes people to hide as if, the, as if you can hide from God when they sin. Man, you better not, man, the way you living, you better stay way away from church, away from God. Man, if you go to church, man, lightning going to hit that building when you walk in there. And th th because the thinking is you, you stay away, you know, from God. You stay away from church. No, you, you come boldly, especially when you sin. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. It's the throne of grace. So you can receive you get mercy. Oh, glory to God, this is good. You get mercy, you get a lack of punishment. He's not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood when you're in sin. You'll get mercy, whoo, and grace to what? Help. The grace to help you and guide you and steer you in the right way to go. And the devil tries to keep you to stay away from the throne of grace when you sin. Oh, man, this is so good. So if you're stuck in sin, the answer is the empowering spirit of grace. God's presence in you will teach you a new and better way to live. The spirit of God will guide you and steer you away from sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Like a navigation system. Anybody have a, na a nav system in, in your car or, or maybe on your phone and, you help, and, and it helps you when you're traveling? Notice it never gets mad at you. When you make a wrong turn, it doesn't say, you idiot. You fool. And it, you can take seven wrong turns and it never fusses at you. It'll just say, just go to the next 500 feet, turn right. Go two miles, turn left. It'll let you... Running circles all day. Miss the directions all day. It'll keep guiding you till you run out of gas. <laughs> and God is better than that. He's never in a bad mood towards you, no matter how much you sin. Oh, Pastor, you be careful. You're going to abuse God's grace. Have you listened to anything that I've said today? 
the grace of God will train you and steer you in the right way. Thank you, Lord. Watch this. See, people that say that you can abuse God's grace, you got to be careful, you know, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're teaching people to sin and stuff. They, they have a very pitiful view of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Look at this. Romans 6, 14 says, For sin will have what? No dominion over you. When? When you're under grace. Many people miss this. Sin will not have dominion over you when you're really under grace. Sin will not have, say sin, sin. will not have sin. dominion over me. Since, since I'm not under law, but I'm under grace. I mean, grace does not free you to sin. It frees you from sin. It's victory over sin. To say you can have too much grace is like saying you can have too much victory over sin. Some of y'all missed that. To say you can have too much grace is saying you can have too much Jesus. Too much Jesus never hurt nobody. Too much Jesus can, over, can only help you. See, see, when you're under grace... Are y'all still with me? Did y'all hear what grace will do? It will train you in godly living, right? So can you have too much of it? No. You you, you can't. It's like saying you can have too much victory over sin. Thank you, Lord. Now watch this. Romans chapter 7 but sin seizing an opportunity through the commandments produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Now, there are 613 laws, there, and there were three categories of laws under the Old Covenant. There were ceremonial laws like the animal sacrifices and certain things that the priests had to wear uh, in, in the tabernacle and so forth, ceremonial washings, cleansings, all that kind of stuff. So there were ceremonial laws and there were dietary laws. And then there were moral laws. Now, some people take this position, well, I know that we're, we're free from the ceremonial laws. I mean, I'm no longer offering sacrifices, all right? I know we're free from that. I know we're free from dietary laws. I have some ribs. <laughs> okay. But... What God wants us to do, he still leaves us with the 10, the big 10. There were 613 laws, which includes all of them, dietary, moral, and um, ceremonial. But some people take the viewpoint in the body of Christ that while we're free from the dietary and ceremonial laws, we are still required to keep the 10 commandments, which are the moral laws. There are people like that. Anybody don't know people that say, oh, well, we still need to live by the Ten Commandments. And most people say that can't even quote them all. But they're, they're saying we need to live according to those. Now watch this. 
if you look at the context, if you go back and read this chapter, and actually you can see it here in this verse, that Paul is talking about he, have a, he had a covetousness problem, coveting. He had a coveting problem. Thou shalt not covet is one of the big ten. So the con- in the context, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm teaching here. Okay, y'all, y'all listening? Y'all, y'all teachers here? All right? All right. But sin ceasing, seizing, rather, an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of what? Covetousness, one of the Ten Commandments. For, for apart from the law, sin lies dead. Oh, man. When you are apart from the law, apart from keeping the law, sin is dead. When does sin die? Apart from the law. Now, some people see themselves, well, I'm apart from the ceremonial laws. I'm apart from the dietary laws. But I'm hanging on to the big tent. We are dead. What Paul is saying, apart in the context, what is he talking about? The moral law, the, the Ten Commandments. He says, apart from the Big Ten, sin died. Sin is dead. But if you're trying to keep the law, sin is alive. When you try to keep the Ten Commandments, sin go crazy. Sin spread like a virus. The answer to sin is not to preach against sinning and give people rules. I mean, this happens all the time. There's the latest something in, in, the, in the news here in recent times when um, you got, well, I won't go there. <laughs> but when you try, let me, how, how do I say it when you try to give people rules on how to live the people on the top not even keeping a rule they're giving you now thou shall not now shall not thou shall not and then the pe- person on the top is, is giving down the rules and, and, and uh, uh, telling you what the rules are and stay away from sin and stay away they doing it themselves now, I'm not throwing any rocks. The Bible says that don't, don't, don't look at me like that or don't say, think I'm accusing people. You know, it is what it is. And, and um, the Bible says anybody overtaken with a fault, he that's spiritual, restores such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So I don't want to be tempted with that same stuff. So I'm not throwing no rocks at nobody. I'm just stating what is. It's all in the news. You can see it. I mean, I'm not just stating fact. Even the person that did it admitted to it. But what I'm doing is not throwing stones. I'm wanting to explain to you why that happens. Because the law is the devil's tool. It's his nuclear weapon (laughs) to enforce sin and and get people sinning. Because when the law is present, sin runs rampant. Rampant. Okay? 1 Corinthians 15 Uh, 56 says the strength of sin 
is the law. The word strength, um, actually that's New King James. I think the ESV says the power of sin. That's a better translation. Actually, the power of sin is the law. The um, word for power is the Greek word dunamis. So the dunamis power of sin is the, is the law. In fact, Romans 7 in this very chapter, I believe it's in this chapter, it says that sin, or excuse me, the law, it stirs up sinful passions. So what a lot of preachers do, they think that they're going to curb sinning by not preaching too much grace, but giving people the law, but actually it's counterintuitive. What they're doing is they are causing, they're stirring up sinful passions by preaching the law. Amen? Because that's what the Bible says. They're actually giving power to sin. What they're doing to try to curb sin and try to stop people from sinning as, as loud as they preach it and as much as they sweat and as much as they walk the pews or strut across the stage, I don't care what you're doing. If you spit not the law, you're going to cause sin. You think it's going to stop it, but it's actually going to increase the sin. The Bible is very clear about that. There's no way y'all must have started that clock when I pulled up in the parking lot. Because, <laughs> let me, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, see, what, what some people do is they, they trust the law of Moses for their living when they trust Jesus for their forgiveness, for their salvation, they trust Jesus for his blood, but they, then they trust Moses to help them live right. But God wants us to trust Jesus for everything. Colossians tells us that he nailed, Jesus nailed the law to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. He nailed the law to the cross. And then it goes on to say, having disarmed principalities and powers. What does he mean he disarmed? Disarmed principalities and powers from what? He disarmed them. He took the law, what that's talking about, he took the law away from the devil and demons. Because the law is what the devil uses to get people to sin. Because the power of sin is the law. Let me, give you, let me give you that. Um, he, Colossians chapter 2, almost finished. Y'all getting some out of this today? Yes. Colossians 2. Verse 14. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, principalities and powers. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So he nailed the law to the cross. 
we should not be keeping the law of Moses today. We trust Jesus, not just for salvation, but for everything. Let me close with this. Colossians 2, talking about the danger of the law being preached. Now, if the ministry of death, what's it talking about? Watch this. Carved in letters on stone. This is not just the six, this is not the 613 he's talking about here. He's talking about the Big Ten. See, because God knew that this is what people in the New Covenant were, were going to try to hold on to. See, God knew in his foreknowledge that people today wouldn't have a problem with letting go of the ceremonial laws and dietary laws, but he knew that there were some people that's going to hang on, try to hang on to the Big Ten. And this is the part that was written by the finger of God on tab tablets of stone. Right? So you see in the context here, say in the, in the context. See, if you take the text out of the context, you get a con. And that's what, a lot of, that's, that's what we've, we've been having in the church. <laughs> if you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. And that's a lot of times what we've got. So can't you see that the answer to stop sinning is not preaching more law, but preaching the abundance of grace? Because the law is called the ministry of death. If the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory. Well, Pastor, you know, people ain't trying to keep the Ten Commandments. You need to get out the house more. Because when you get to talk to people, anybody know people? Is it just me? You talk, talk to people, they say, well, how are we supposed to live? Well, we're supposed to live by the Ten Commandments. Huh? Y'all know people like that? I talk to people. But well, that's how we, you know, we just live by the Ten Commandments. That's all God's requiring of us. Amen. But it's called the ministry of death. Now, does that sound like something you want to be keeping? If I preach the law to you every week, and it's, and it's, it's beyond the ten, it's, it's what Colossians talks about, taste not, touch not, handle not. It's man-made, these laws and all this stuff. And the stuff where you got to read so many times a day. you got to fast so many times a year. you got to uh, give a certain amount of money. you got to do this. you got to do that. And all these kind of laws. And some people just say, forget it. Preachers are killing people every week. Preaching their heart out. Sweating and again, walking the pews and stuff, but 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 giving people just spitting death out all the time because the law is a ministry of death. Tell them, the the principle of the law is that you got to do good to get good. In order for God to bless you, you got to do certain things. Got to live right, church. Straighten up, church. Act right, church. <laughs> Some of y'all, you, 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 you're sleeping and sleeping around and you're in the club all night long. All this kind of stuff, man. 
they got the rhythm going, man. They got the, as you can see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at it, and uh, I'm not trying to be. But so y'all can at least get a glimpse of what, what I'm talking about. Y'all heard that kind of stuff. And, 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 and what, are, what are we doing up here? I'm not up here to say, oh, man, wasn't that a marvelous message? Yeah, I, want you, I want you to be able to take something home. Man, I'm full. I got, look, like I'm, I'm, I'm carrying my meal home with me. I, I ate and I still got, oh, man, it was something, I'm full. If the ministry of death carved in, in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, how or, or will not the ministry of the Spirit have more glory? See, the ministry of the Spirit is the new covenant. It's the ministry of greater glory than that of the old. It is a better covenant established upon better promises. For if there was glory in the ministry of what? Condemnation. Say it. Condemnation. See, the old covenant, preaching the law, the Ten Commandments, is a ministry that condemns. So we've got a ministry of greater glory because if, if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation... The ministry of righteousness must far exceed in glory. Amen. This is a better covenant. When grace and righteousness are preached, and too much grace and too much righteousness, what's going to happen? People, the worst that can happen is that you're going to reign in life. Don't trust. So who are you trusting with your sin problem? Moses? No. Trust Jesus for your lying problem, for your stealing problem, for your pride problem. Trust Jesus for your character, for your morality. Grace is more than forgiveness. It is the indwelling life of Jesus on the inside of you. It's the, the, you have on the inside of you the spirit of grace. Ooh, hallelujah. You get some of this today? Hallelujah. Can you have too much grace? I'm going to say it. For those of you that haven't having a problem with sin and the church has not given you the answer, they just you're drowning and they're simply describing the water, telling you how bad you are, telling you how deep you are in the water, how deep you are in sin, but no solution. I'm giving you, giving you a solution, and his name is Jesus. Trust Jesus. And know that he's not even, even in the midst of your sinning, he's not in a bad mood concerning you. He's not mad at you. That doesn't mean that he approves of your sin. I'm not saying that. He loves you. And he's not mad at you. He loves you. His love 
if it was based on what you are doing or not doing, then his love would not be agape, which is unconditional. God's love is unconditional concerning you. So your behavior doesn't change God's goodness. Your performance and how you're living right now, you may be feeling shame and feeling bad about yourself right now, but I want you to hold your head up right now and, and know that, that while you're drowning, Jesus is reaching his hand out to you right now and says, trust me. Trust me to bring you out. He's not frowning at you. He doesn't have a frowny emoji. Okay, don't put that frowny emoji in, on Jesus. He's, 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 he's got a smiley, smiley face. Amen. He's rolling on the floor laughing out loud <laughs> concerning you. Amen. Because he's the answer. He knows he's the answer. Some people just have it backwards. They're trying to clean themselves up before they come to Jesus. I'm going to get my act together, man, before I come back to church. I'm going to get my act together before I come to Jesus. That's, that's like saying... You know, I want to get cleaned up before I take a bath. <laughs> Jesus is the bath. Yes. Just jump in. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to make him the Lord today. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes. Not work, you don't work to righteousness. You believe unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Believe in your heart. Say with your mouth. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And say it with your mouth.